Games in this podcast range from E to M. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the official Xbox podcast, the only Xbox podcast coming to you from inside Xbox. I think that's how it goes, right? That's the line. That's who, the line. Who are you two? I don't even know who you are. I don't know. What's going on, everybody? I'm Malik Prince, and oh. welcome back to the podcast. Uh, our final show of the year, in fact, and uh, we're going to kick it off with a great show. But if, before we get started, if this is your first time watching, you know what to do. Hit the follow, subscribe button, basically whatever button lets you know when we post a new show. But I'm going to waste no time because, as you can see, I have a majestic person within a majestic Mustache <laughs> that I'm super jealous of. Uh, of course, we have uh, we have Jeff and Tina who are our regular everyday. Uh, every Decidedly week. less majestic. You all are special, but not as special as our guests. Joe Scrabbles, who is Xbox Wire's editor in chief. Hello, pleasure to be here. Thank you for letting me come on. And also the best accent on the show. Oh, I, I think like. that's. Uh, I think people in England would disagree with. Really? Me. <laughs> I think they would find me very irritating. Oh no, no, no! I think we love. Fortunately, you're amongst good company, yeah, so it's 100%. okay. We like you. We so, like editor you. in chief of Xbox Wire. Mm -hmm. We're gonna get into it a little bit, but high level. What What does that mean? It means that I uh, run a little team of people who like to bring you all the news that we possibly can about Xbox. Uh, about our platforms, about our promotions, and about the games that are coming, most importantly. Um, and yeah, a big part of my job, I've been here for about a year now, uh, has been in sort of deepening that stuff and telling new stories and trying to get behind the scenes at studios. So we've, I've visited Rare, I went to Finland for Alan Wake 2, and we've had team members dive into um, the oral history of Hi-Fi Rush, and we're trying to put together these like big, meaty, new features for wire and like tell new stories so uh if you would like to click on it we would very much enjoy of that. course and i think i think to your point we've seen a lot of great stuff come out of uh the xbox wire and i know you have a lot planned so mm -hmm. we're gonna get more into a lot of news because there has been a lot of yeah. news uh we also have an interview with adam smith uh, who was the lead writer of Baldur's gate 3 that you know Picked up uh, a very important award. This past <laughs> Quite a few, uh, but also the most important. <laughs> Shocking everyone, by the way. No one saw it coming. And guess what? You can play it on Xbox right now. So we'll get into that in just a little bit. But let's talk about, since this is a video game show, let's talk about what we're playing. Who would like to go first? I feel like I'm a teacher in the class. There's like so many. Who would like to me? And the teacher always picked their favorite kid. Yeah. Um, all right, we'll start with Tina. Tina. So I'm the favorite, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, he knew. just said it. You heard <laughs> it here first. Um, so it's actually Baldur's Gate 3. Okay, there you go. Perfect. Obviously. Uh, because uh, it's um, gotten a bunch of awards. People have been talking about it for forever. been excited to play. It's finally out on Xbox, which is awesome because I've been playing since then, essentially. Um, so my weekend was very occupied um, by a lot of exploration and a lot of character customization because basically oh, my yeah. first like hour or two, like an incredible amount of time spent on just thinking about, do I want like a pre-baked origin story? Do I want to start something new on my own? I start something new on my own. Um, and then how do you want to spec things? And it's, it's not just a standardized like class situation where you pick one and then you, you go through the leveling up system through there. You can actually kind of micromanage some of those systems yeah. and add on like subclasses and then pick your particular spells that you want and like maybe swap them out later if you didn't like them in practice. And that was such an incredible moment of choice where I was sitting there like, oh no, what if I'm making the wrong choice? But <laughs> fortunately there's tons of guides out there now because the game's been out for a minute. So I was able to do some research too. And you can respect for a hundred gold That's if true. you ever need yes, to. Exactly. Yeah. You have options. You've got choices. So what'd you pick? What'd you start with? Um, I'm a sorcerer. Okay. Um, and then I, I have 
have some subclasses that I, I'm even forgetting now, but I always end up going towards things that lean towards persuasion because in mm -hmm. games like big RPG games where you have a lot of dialogue, like I really prefer to talk my way out yeah. of situations. Like you can, there's always combat, but why not, you know, also have an opportunity to see how the dialogue goes. Like there's tons of people on the development team working through like these different dialogue choices. And I like to see how stories might branch out or what consequences there might be. Mm. So I definitely expect in that direction. And then intelligence, of course, because I'm a sorcerer. You're very mm -hmm. smart. Yes, yes, I'm very smart. I, I need to be that. the smartest. <laughs> you were like, of course. That's <laughs> my I'm Malik's favorite. Yes, exactly. I'm Malik's favorite, exactly. <laughs> Um, but then from there, you know, it's it's fascinating because this game is huge yeah. and I can tell right off the bat because uh, I'm just getting into like the Emerald Grove, like part of the introductory um, mm -hmm. to the game. You know, obviously your, your goal is to eventually get to Baldur's Gate and I'm sure see the game open up so much more. But wow, I feel like I am scratching the surface and the, the map, the game's world is being discovered in front of me. I'm like, ooh, I can go left, right or forward and then again left and right. So there's just... A lot of options, and it is beautifully overwhelming. Any tips say. for people starting? And we'll t like you had mentioned, Malik. We'll be talking to Al yeah. uh, Adam Smith, mm -hmm. the uh, the writer, about like how to how to spec and how to think about it. But just anything you picked up in your first few hours that you would recommend? Like here's here's what mm. I'm picking up right now. Well, I got there's so many things you can get sidelined and distracted by. And actually, I'd I'd rather you two tell me because mm. you guys are both Ooh. further in the game because we cheated and talked a little bit about the game before <laughs> we, we came onto the podcast. Like, we can't help ourselves. We were but... let out of our isolation chamber. <laughs> exactly the, show the Baldur's Gate three isolation yeah. chamber. Um, but yeah, I, I I'm going down the path of like, ooh, this is interesting, or like this seems nearby, but. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm probably like locking myself out of things or missing things. So I'm going mostly golden path. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. But I suspect maybe I might be missing some stuff if I continue to do that. It's hard to tell. Like, yeah. In terms of, because I've only done a bit of one playthrough. So I, it's really not clear to me what I'm missing. The, the key thing for me, I was actually talking about this with someone else this morning. Resting in that game, like time passing is a genuine thing you have to think about. So, for instance, the, I've definitely heard about people who were like, so I found this burning house, and I was like, oh, I better rest up before I go in. And obviously they rest for the night, and the house burnt down. <laughs> like, it's not like a oh, normal wow. quest where it just burns forever with mm -hmm. for, for no reason Waiting to accommodate for you. you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think that's worth, you know, any situation that, where you come across something and something someone is dying or something is going to happen imminently. Yeah, think about it like don't, a living world. Don't yeah. let it happen. Um, <laughs> so I think that would be a big one. I promise I won't do this throughout, but we have a very good Xbox Wire article from the uh, from the developers. <laughs> it of, is your time to shine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. From the developers of Larian, uh, or a developer at Larian who gave a bunch of uh, ideas for starting builds as well. So if you don't want to go through the two hours of uh, hand-wringing that I did, um, you can have some sort mm -hmm. of, like, Jumping off points for different classes and Who stuff. Who did you pick? So, what class did you pick? I am a half-orc paladin with an oath of vengeance. Oh, um, and, uh, okay. I basically Sounds I, dangerous. I never <laughs> I never role-play in role-playing games. I'm always just like, I'm the good guy. And in yeah. this one, I was like, right, I'm going to do that. And I've decided I'm playing him as orc Batman. I'm just like, oh. that's his, That's he, he strives for justice, but he sometimes does it the wrong way. Uh, or in a dark way. I'm mm. like, that's what I'm going for. The Dark Knight. Uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Orcs, yeah. yeah. Okay. I always, See, I, oh, go on. I was going to say, I always try to like be the good guy too. And mm. you actually um, 
are at a di- most of the time I find in like these role playing kind of games, you do benefit from being mm-hmm. the good guy. Like there's a lot of things yeah. that you know people are more drawn to you. You have like more more options. Not the deal. No, because in this one you don't. I've in noticed. Video mm-hmm. games, you always are the listen. You play your life as the good person, right? Right. Yeah. Like, you go through life. I think most of us are generally good people. You play video games to be the bad guy, <laughs> to be the bad person, and just you put. You're always the hero as the protagonist. Yeah, you're like, saving so. the world. Maybe your motivations are all pure. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Well, this is the chance to try it out. But, like, there is an opportunity where you can get into a cave, for example, and the options are, like, intimidate or attack, essentially. Mm -hmm. And you get a lot of these options throughout the game. And um, I'm like, well, there's no good option to be, like, the good guy here and, like, reason with the the person in this situation. And so I have to find an alternate way to go in. So it's actually – I'm not getting penalized, per se, but I'm not getting my way by being the good guy either. Mm -hmm. So it is something to think about to be more like Malik. The thing that's interesting with paladins, you have to swear an oath. So I'm also yeah. a, a paladin, and I have I forget something like justice or something mm-hmm. like that. And if you ever go against what like that credo is, like after you've made that decision, some like scary dude like teleports in and is like, Ooh. "I'll see you tonight, buddy." It's Ooh. like your sleep paralysis demon or something that, <laughs> that shows up and is like, "Okay, I might have just broken this oath," and then I. If, I've clearly been role playing so well. Because, okay. There's been a couple I've times where I've lost my patience. Like I'm largely like I, I go for like I forget what it is, but it's just like I have my moral compass, and so mm-hmm. I, there's certain things. And there was one thing where I was like, I just don't feel like getting involved. And let me tell you, <laughs> letting injustice go by was a violation of my Ooh. oath, and uh, I reloaded very quickly. And so that's my <laughs> advice: is going into a situation where you're not. I don't like to save scum too much. Like, oh, I got the wrong roll. I'm going to reload, things like that. But there's because I'm learning the game and learning the mechanics, I've never played a CRPG before uh, like this. Um, like, I literally don't know how the what the rules of engagement are. So I'll save going in. And if things go like a little, little bit bad, but I work my way out of it, great. We're going to keep going. If I did not even know that I was just going to kill uh, <laughs> this innocent person that was standing next to a bunch of mushrooms. This happened last night because I got too <laughs> close to one and it unleashed a an inferno that <laughs> killed you know everybody. I'll reload in that situation <laughs> and, and think about it differently. So, I realize I play games so differently than many people. and But I guess that's the beauty of it, oh, right? exactly. Like, Especially I, RPGs. 100%. I never, I live with the consequences of my actions. Mm-hmm. I like, I will never go back and, and redo a... Uh, a scenario because I'm like, you know what? This is what you deserve, Malik. You you didn't take this into account or you didn't see this coming to your point, yeah, Jeff. Yeah, that is fair. That's what you get. If it's an accidental button press, though. Okay. Because yeah. like, yeah, yeah, I had okay. accidentally yeah. stole something. Oh, And yes. I was like, I'm just like jamming A yeah. around mm-hmm. the place and like p- apparently stole something and got yelled at and then they came and like, you got to go to jail and like, I could try to bribe them. I didn't realize how much money I didn't have. <laughs> Tried to bribe them. They were like, what is this? This is paltry. And went to jail and they're like, okay, now you have to figure out how to break out of jail. I was like, you know what? I just want to push forward in the story a little mm-hmm. bit, so I'm just going to reload and be okay with that decision. What I think is amazing about the game is that we can play through and just have wildly different experiences. Mm-hmm. I'm constantly thinking like I'm taking the hard way out, which is like fighting my way like entirely too much. Occasionally, I have found like, wait, if I say the right thing, this this village full of goblins will just like let me walk around. Yeah, like if I happen to like you know. Use my That's silver why tongue. Persuasion. Yeah, persuasion. well, you're a podcaster. You're like really <laughs> role playing. You don't even realize it. Um, but like, uh, even using like the tricks, using the things around. So shoving people, uh, 
Yeah. Versus like like mm-hmm. trying to like there was one very difficult boss I was fighting in some goblin cave, and at some point I was just like I was banging my head against the wall, kept mm-hmm. missing them, just shoved them off of a bridge, and I was like, oh cool, done. Yeah. I know that exactly was the bridge you're talking. About. Yes, okay, <laughs> you do. Uh, and so I would say you shove. It's like a free yes. move that you can use pretty frequently. Um, but yeah, I actually started out on PC. Because uh, I couldn't, yeah. over Thanksgiving, I, I, I knew it was coming to Xbox. I was very impatient mm-hmm. and I bought it. But then I was able to transfer the game over pretty oh, seamlessly. Yeah, yeah. You just need to make sure in your settings, both on your PC and on your Xbox version, or any version you're transferring, you have to turn on, there's a checkbox, to turn on cross-saved or universal save, mm-hmm. something like that. Then every time I save, I can see it. It's uploaded. It literally tells <laughs> you it's uploading to the cloud. And I, I'm one of these people that, relief. yes, I save and then I save again and I wait and yes, then I turn yeah, it off. Just in mm-hmm. case. You know, one of those normal people who <laughs> behaves very rationally in, in those situations. On the combat note though, um, in terms of like you can play so many different ways, mm-hmm. like I tend to be a DPS person and I'm like, get all my, all my specs is on like my spells that are specifically mm-hmm. to just deal damage. But I like investing in like the grease. You can either get a yes. grease bomb or like, you know, some of your companions can also have that spell right from the get go and like combine that with my fire yep. spells. And it's just fun to see those combinations, but yeah, shove or like putting people to sleep and then like, you know, mm-hmm. strategizing around disengaging from an enemy so you don't get hit from them as you're trying to like evade and, and get into a safe spot. Like there's just so much strategy embedded in it. I find myself playing in a different way mm-hmm. than I normally would, but I like it. It adds like to the level of depth, well, it's, essentially. It's also tough enough that it really forces you yes. to think about those things. Yes. Like, I'm trying not to give specifics, but I was in like a very tough fight. I could not beat it. I tried it like three times and kept reloading and was like, eventually I'm just going to have to like run away and come back. And the best way I could work out to do it was to take all my spellcasters and effectively put them about 30 feet above the mm-hmm. person I wanted to kill and just stood there and chucked stuff at him. <laughs> oh, until he died. Oh, lightning. Yeah. And yeah. it was just, it felt so cheesy, but I was also like, well, they put this here yeah. for a reason. Yeah. I can climb to it for some reason. Plus it's war, you might die. Exactly. This is a serious state. I died a lot. <laughs> Oh, so many good stuff. And, and I obviously haven't jumped in yet. So I think hearing your experiences and kind of how you all decide to tackle things has got me excited. I know everyone out there who maybe hasn't played it, it's only been out for a few days on Xbox at least, uh, can jump in now and hopefully you have a great time. And again, we have an interview with Adam Smith, uh, the lead writer of the game, a little bit later on in the show. So obviously Baldur's Gate is a huge game, Baldur's Gate 3. Uh, Joe, anything else you've been playing? Yeah, this tiny game called Fortnite. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so this week, well, over the last week and a bit, they've been adding entire new games yeah. to Fortnite out of nowhere. Um, so Lego Fortnite, uh, Rocket Racing, which is from the uh, the Rocket League mm-hmm. uh, developer, Psyonix. And then the one I was waiting for was uh, Fortnite Festival, oh. which is a harmonics game that now lives inside Fortnite, which is wild. Um, so this is effectively somewhere between Rock Band and their last game, Fuser, if anyone oh, played yeah. Fuser. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Which was like a game about effectively learning how to DJ, but you could just stick stems of songs, songs together to make new songs. It was incredible. Um, and this has both elements. So every day you log in, there's a selection of songs that you can play in Rock Band style. You can play uh, guitar, bass, or, mm. you know, lead melody uh bass drums and vocals which eventually they are going to patch in support for your old plastic peripherals if you haven't thrown those away um which is amazing that's great support. um and it, 
the clever thing about it to me is like it's quite a limited pool of featured songs that switches over quite often so you're never gonna it feels like it's not designed for giant party sessions mm -hmm. like the old days it's like i've turned on fortnite i want to play a few songs with some friends and then we'll jump into battle royale or we'll go into lego fortnite or whatever um so quite a smart way of turning that into a very different experience um and then it has a whole section called the jam stage which is effectively them using the tech from fuser inside fortnite so you can earn or buy songs jump in there and it just drops you in with like 30 people five different little stages that you can run onto and then you can load up stems from songs and just stick them all together and create new songs it's wild like it's an amazing little tool I think the the things that Epic is doing over there with Fortnite is just impressive, like just breathing new light and using it really as the anchor to your point uh, yeah. for all these awesome experiences from other development teams within Epic. Uh, I will say, uh, like Harmonix, like Dance Central brings me back. They need to mm -hmm, add Dance mm -hmm. Central, like like because <laughs> yeah. I used to tear up a rug almost literally in my apartment <laughs> um, doing all these amazing dance moves. But Harmonix, so talented yeah. uh, musical developers, and then of course, as you mentioned, Rocket Racing from uh, the folks over at Psionics, mm. I think. A uh, really great way to kind of utilize the talent that they already have on the, on the team, making such an amazing experience in Fortnite. So, wow. Hats off to you all at, at Epic. I mean, come on. they know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, um, it's not yeah. even a game anymore. It's an experience. It's an, experience. It's an ecosystem. Yeah, yes. a thousand things. Yeah, exactly. Um, Jeff, what have you been playing? So before heading out, we were actually sitting next to each other at the Game Awards and just sort of trying to guess what everything yep, was before was it. Which, that was a good time. <laughs> uh, but before playing that game, uh, the night before was when one point or season five something something for Halo came out. The the second part of it. And that is what launched Firefight King of the Hill. And I had wow. the best time playing with our old co-host, Mr. Major Nelson. Yes, uh, and we ended up playing for hours on Firefight King of the Hill. And wow. what's really fun is if you can make it through a round of this, then you get a skull. Could be good things, could be bad things happen to that. And we had just gotten finished getting wiped um, negatively in case <laughs> it doesn't come out uh, on regular level. And for some reason, Larry's like, let's play on. Let's play on heroic. And so we're like, yeah, that's going to work out well. Well, somehow we ended up getting a skull that gave everyone unlimited ammo for any weapon that they had. And so we pick up the power of weapons and then we are just on, like, a, just imagine a Halo uh, bazooka that never runs out of shells. I it like was it. awesome. <laughs> so we ended up having, so we'll probably never get that exact run mm -hmm. of, you know, pattern to happen, but ended up having the best time. And so uh, it's PVE. It's like exactly what I was hoping for, which is, it's a an environment for us to chat and have a good time and also be, you know, partnering up together and not it's just not sweaty, which mm. I think is like mm. fun. Yeah. I'm sure if you put it on the highest level it would be, but you know, at a heroic or down, man, there's just a relaxing fun time and highly recommend it. Uh, shout out to 343, who did a, uh, we had Brian Gerard obviously on the show a while ago, who's also did a great uh, appearance on the X-Cast. Kind of funny this yeah. week, yeah, he was awesome. Paris did a great job interviewing, so the team, again, just doing a great job at uh, just adding new things to uh, Halo. And I will say, you know, we read the comments every week. Uh, Jeff and I, we hosted last week, and we were like trying to figure out what PVE meant, and I think we both got it wrong, but somebody in the comments has corrected us, it's player versus environment. Oh, so it's like what humans do all over <laughs> for the last hundred. <laughs> 100%, <laughs> essentially. Um, and then for me, I, 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 
obviously haven't played as much over the past week. But I got to jump into actually a game that you all showed in the partner preview, the finals. Uh, oh, had nice. a surprise oh, lease yeah. at the Game Awards. Yeah. Yeah. So I got a chance to jump into that. Uh, played a little bit of it. Uh, and again, it's just... If you love first-person shooters, competitive games like that, this is a great game to jump into. So many people have been playing about playing it, talking about it. It's been really cool to see. And so, uh, and what I love about this game is the higher time to kill because I am not a, a guy that can jump into a game with a low time to kill. And so this gives you a little chance to maneuver. We have like jump pads, and and you can like destruct the levels, kind of like Battlefield. I think it has some uh, X Battlefield uh, devs on it. Sure so does. it's been exciting, and it's free to play and available now on Xbox. So be sure to give it a shot if that's your kind of thing. So I was hearing that you can pick like sort of a light and nimble character or like yes. a big bruiser that can literally like pound through wall. Like what do you find success with? So it has three, yeah, it has three different body types all have their pluses and minuses. And so I went uh, kind of in the middle, kind of uh, balancing speed with power. Um, and then I think like we've seen in so many great games, like you can customize your character, purchase like different kind of emotes uh, and uh, accessories for your character to make them look cool. I am a no skin kind of person. Person. I never in any video game I never put a skin on my character because you don't I, want to stand out and be shot <laughs> no yeah, you don't, exactly and then also if you're really good at the game you get to be unassuming right yeah. you like nobody knows you're hustling if you're really everyone good. it's his I first game it <laughs> He's not yeah, take, that, take that but it's been really cool to kind of uh, see how people even already have found their groove mm. in the game and so it's awesome that's the thing like so I haven't had a chance to play it yet mm -hmm. but the thing that really interests me is it so many of those games kind of have a set path to victory and it's about like getting really good at that thing whereas this with the destructibility and with a load of different sort of tricky ways to play it feels like there's a lot of onus put on work out how you do better at this mm -hmm. and do it in your own way have you had a lot of experience of people like doing super unexpected things in there um it's been a lot of the destructibility i i've unintentionally done cool stuff <laughs> right? i'm like yeah. how did i do that so i picked up like this explosive kind of like the classic video game explosive barrel mm -hmm. and I chucked it and it like destroyed the whole uh like floor of a, of one of the buildings and like took out uh, a person who we were trying to capture the point and mm -hmm. an enemy was rushing us and so I took out an entire floor and they had to find their way back up and so like unintentionally I'm finding that there are some really cool ways to uh, kind of tackle different um, competitive parts of the game, right. which is really cool. So I highly recommend if you're into first-person shooters, this is another one to jump into, give it a shot uh, in a, just a, a field that's really um, thriving right now, I feel like, uh, competitive shooters. So, yeah. Mm. So that's kind of what we've been playing. You let us know below in the comment section what you've been playing as we go into the holiday season. There's so much time. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you are going to be jumping into your backlogs, but if there are any games that sparked your interest from the Game Awards, which we'll talk about in just a little bit, let us know and we'd love to read them. Or any of your Baldur's Gate 3 tips. There you go. Mm. I'm going to need them. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be tough for me to jump into, but I'm excited to do it. Um, so, um, Joe, we talked a little bit about you and Wire. Anything that we can look forward to uh, coming up with Xbox Wire? I mean, just this is the problem. I sort of stepped on this at the start, uh -huh. forgetting that we had a whole section building. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did too. So yeah, you know, there's plenty awesome. to talk about. Yeah, yeah. but uh, I think what basically what I'd like to say is what we what we're aiming to do is make it surprising and make it a place where. It's not just about, obviously we'll always have the news about the things that are coming out now and the stuff that you'd expect to be there, but we're really aiming to drop those moments where, you know, there's a story on there that you were never expecting. By the time this podcast comes out, uh, am I giving away the fact that it's not live? Um, <laughs> You're fine. Uh, we, we say it all the time. Yeah, we should <laughs> have, uh, I believe, a, uh, a new story about uh, an element of the making of Starfield, which I think is super unexpected and, and like a really different take on 
on the making of a game. Um, I won't spoil what it is, but um, yeah, we're just aiming for that sort of rollout of stuff where it's not just about what's happening now, it's about how things were made and, and the kind of bizarre stories of games development as well. So I would highly recommend that you check back um, and uh, yeah, we'll have good stuff for you. Well, it's there cool because like we have these connections to all these studios and mm. we get to like talk about this stuff internally. We, you know, you and I both, because Joe and I were former and current coworkers yes, and right. we just have this incredible passion and interest in gaming. And when you get to hear about the inside stories and get that deeper appreciation and education on it, it just, it feels like a richer experience. And when you're playing through things, you have this deeper level of understanding and yeah. that's what you and the team are, are really trying to do is build that connection between our audience and like our developers. Yeah, too. that's the thing. I think, I think my passion in game or you know games journalism has always been in hearing something weird and wanting to tell people about yeah. it and i think that's what we're trying to build here is like it is just kind of being excited about stuff um and so yeah hopefully that comes across and yeah. we'll continue to do more and more good stuff good so, job joe thank you great job joe. <laughs> good job joe in the chat in the comments yeah <laughs> um so let's talk about some news actually so mm. we had the game awards that aired uh, I want to like we're going to talk ten about years ago. <laughs> it feels <laughs> it feels like it. Um, so we'll get into a little a few of the announcements as well as some of our highlights from the show. But I wanted to start with some of our games that won in uh in the show. So we had Hi-Fi Rush, which took home the award for best audio design. Uh, Forza Motorsport won for best sports slash racing game and innovation and accessibility. Um, I got to work with that team a lot on the lead up to Forza, and it's mm. just when we did an interview with um Chris Chris Asaki from Turn Ten, who kind of just really um, showcased and broadcast the um, the passion that the team had for doing something new with their blind driving assist. So it's great that they were recognized at the show. And, and of course, Baldur's Gate, as we talked about, won Game of the Year. So you can play that on Xbox now. Sea of Stars on Game Pass, best indie game. Um, and so many more games that you can play on Xbox that won. So congrats to the winners. Congrats mm -hmm. to the devs who have worked really hard on these games. I think this has been an incredible year, and we owe it all to the people who are making the game. So really, uh, just shout out to all of you who have done that. I, I think you, like people wonder, like, what do these awards mean? And like, yeah. it doesn't materially necessarily change the game that you're playing. But we ran into we afterwards mm -hmm. that uh, uh, Neha Chintala, yes. who uh, really worked uh, quite a bit. Uh, she works for um, Turn Ten and worked quite a bit on the Blind Drive Assist. And like, her life was like just made. Like, mm -hmm. like, like, like it so it just felt so vindicated. When you look at that innovation and accessibility um, category, you know, you had Diablo, you had. Uh, Street Fighter, you also had uh, High Five Rush, and I want to say Mortal Kombat, and they all did very interesting things. And I think like all these different teams working independently, but like towards like a greater level of accessibility, it's something that all players can benefit from. But it meant so much mm -hmm. to like see that, and I'd have to imagine that's really motivating to continue to to push things forward. Mm. We also were hanging out with John Johannes afterwards yeah. uh, from from Tango GameWorks, mm -hmm. and seemed like super psyched to see. How much love I think was in the room for Hi-Fi Rush just in general. I had yeah. what five nominations mm -hmm. and got uh, some the, big pops throughout. Like yeah. even mm -hmm. coming yeah. through on the stream, like yeah. it was it was amazing. And at the biggest sort of like temporal disadvantage because it came out in January. Yeah. It's like yeah. literally the like whole a whole year later. Bias. Yeah, yeah, you would think, but I, I will say the judges did a great job yeah. of like looking past that and remembering like how meaningful and how impactful that game was. All these many months yeah. ago. Yeah, <laughs> and they just got a nomination for Game of the Year from IGN too, our oh, cool. alma mater. Yeah. yeah, love it. Oh, so it's great to see that appreciation yeah. and and yet to see people celebrate on the podcast. We had Dan Greenwald talking about that as well. Mm -hmm. Just this was, God, how long? Like a month ago, mm -hmm. I think. But 
there's so much passion and so much due diligence that's put into that sort of thing. And like back when we were at IGN, like Turn 10 has been consistently praised. Like we've given mm -hmm. out awards to Turn 10 previously as well for all of the work and accessibility. So it is really cool to see that people are pushing those boundaries mm -hmm. too and discovering new ways to connect with different players too and different needs. Definitely Important. pioneers in the space for sure. Yes. And so again, congrats to all the winners at the Game Awards. Now let's talk about um, some of our favorite moments. I want to start off with uh, Senua Saga, Hellblade 2, um, which had an amazing showing. Of course, this debuted at the Game Awards a few years ago. Um, and this time we got to see a little bit of gameplay at the show. And I think nobody left without their jaw being on the floor. Mm -hmm. Like it was visually stunning it was yeah. uh, and obviously we have that com game coming out in 2024 2024 2024 they're um, both acceptable <laughs> they're, they're both, although but only a, one sounds weirder than exactly yeah. Yeah. i have a weird thing about a shift in in society from saying 2000, 2000 to 2020. Yeah, yeah yeah well we'll talk about that another time but the game <laughs> looked amazing uh and we had melina who plays a cinema at the show and i think her story has just been tremendous from, I think, she, what was she, what was her role in the, I think she was like a, uh, I forget what her role was originally, but it wasn't related to being a main no. character in a video game, but she's taken that and like run mm -hmm. with it and has, has become one of the greatest characters in video games. And has become Senua. Yeah. 100%. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if you saw at the very beginning of that trailer, because you were like, oh, it's kind of, you know, they showed some game, no, the whole thing, it starts off, it's like in-game footage captured yeah. on Xbox Series X. Series X. Yep. So, that's what the game's gonna look like, mm -hmm. which is mind-boggling. It's it's wild. I, like I feel like we're hitting that point of a generation where, you know, you always spend a few years where you're like, oh, like I kind of see where, like technically where this is getting mm -hmm. there, and now we're hitting that point where it's like, this is the best game I've ever seen. This is the best looking game I've ever <laughs> yeah. seen, and it just keeps going and going. Mm -hmm. So yeah, like that trailer was absurd. Like, it, I couldn't believe yeah. it. It was very intense. Yeah. Very. I mean, the first game was very intense. Yes. So. Uh -oh. And coupled with the performance from Heilong as well, oh, yeah. like um, we were hanging out with them after the fact, or we observed them. We were not hanging out. <laughs> we say, observed them in their with, element. They don't feel yeah. like people who hang out. They, yeah. were, they were jamming out. It was it was incredible. Everyone was just in like incredible yeah. spirits. Mm. But it was cool to see. I was like reading a lot of the audience um, commentary and feedback on, on both the trailer and the performance, and a lot of people saying that this is their first introduction to Hellblade, which I think is incredible mm. because you can just see, to your point, Joe, like the leaps and bounds that mm. we're making as an industry, and then to see that appreciation as well. And people like look looking at people who might know Heilung or people who mm -hmm. might know Hellblade being introduced to the other and like having that new established like entertainment reference point. Like it's really cool to see those things come together. And that's one of the cool things about the Game Awards is those performances, you know, coming and really breathing life into a lot of those moments too. It's, it's uh, what a great showing, honestly, by uh, by the team over there at Ninja Theory. Um, a few other moments from the show, I thought one that was really great was the New Year original game, uh, Tales of Kinzera. Um, it was kind of introduced by actor Abu Bakar Salim, who um, talked about, he had a really emotional moment talking about his dad mm -hmm. and, and how he's making a game that is kind of um, showcases like the love that you have for somebody. And I think it was really cool. EA Original is one of those programs, this umbrella program for really interesting stories. We've seen games like It Takes Two and A Way Out, you know, by, uh, by Joe. Joseph Ferris. Joseph, yeah. Ferris. Joseph Ferris, yeah, exactly, who is obviously famous at the Game Awards uh, for many reasons. <laughs> what? No. Um, yeah, I know. But this kind of side-scrolling game, I think with a deeper meaning is, again, what we've been talking about, mm -hmm. this kind of really... Um, swell of creativity and meaningful games being made by small development teams. Uh, that was just really great to see. 
him get his moment. And I think that that was kind of what the essence of the Game Awards is, those kinds of moments. So that was really cool. And such a personal moment for him because yeah. he, we, we were talking before the cameras were rolling, um, that he was actually Bayek in Assassin's Creed Origins. Yeah. And if you haven't watched Raised by Wolves, he's one of the main characters, uh, one of the Android characters in that um, series as well. And it's just really incredible that for him, I imagine that he gets this opportunity to do something so personal as mm. well. And so much of like your own personality being put into a game that gets supported in this way. Yeah, it means so much, I'm sure. And so excited to play that game when it releases. Um, and then let's talk about some per other personal favorite moments from the show. I'll, I wanted to talk about Sam Lake's performance. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. which, you stole mine. Oh, was that yours? <laughs> oh, right. yeah. No, I, I just thought it was so amazing, <clears throat> this icon in the industry getting up there. I don't know if any of you would you, any of you do that because I don't think I'd have the courage to go in front of the entire industry and dance. And not only did he dance, he looked like he was a professional. Mm -hmm. Like he would, he, he did a great with, job. Yeah. Very well. So. He did the number one thing you're supposed to do. So I maybe could do it because I actually grew up with a dance background. Really? Yeah. yeah. But it is one of those things where your, your parents are like, do everything, piano and math <laughs> and also all these dance classes. Anyway, so uh, he did the number one thing you're supposed to do as a performer, which is smile. Yeah. And he had, and it just like, it brought yeah. so much enjoyment yes. for me to watch him like enjoying himself. And, mm. um, we were hanging out with them at, uh, after the fact, and they were in such a celebratory mood, all of Remedy. Uh, but then uh, the place where we were at, all kind of celebrating, um, the DJ had put on the old guards of uh, old gods of Asgard uh, soundtrack again, and so they were redoing the dance as oh, well. And yeah. it was just it was really fun. Like clearly, it's not just this performative thing. Like they just really enjoyed putting all of this choreography together. How weird was it to see Alan Wake in person? Yes, like, very. Like, that's him. Well, yes, that's him. And he very, looks like him. Not it's only, just like him. Not only him, but the man who does his voice. Right. Yes. 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 Yeah. So you're getting like a live. <laughs> Dubbing session yeah. for Alan Mike. It was amazing. And Mr. Door was there. Yeah. I don't know why. It just. It was I was as starstruck as if we had seen it. being yeah. a pure cosmic evil thing. Yeah. 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 Security was tighter than normal, but still. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Let was, him in. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. What an incredible moment. Uh, so cool. Yeah. So cool. Uh, Icon, congrats to that whole team over there at Remedy for Alan Wake 2. And I'll say, actually, I, I don't want to say another one of mine. I want to make sure that I don't want to steal another person. That's okay. We're riffing. That. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I will say, like, Don't Nod, which is a palindrome, by the way. Uh, spoke mm -hmm, mm -hmm. same backwards really? and forwards. I, I, was, I meant to say it on the show Fun before, fact. but I didn't remember the word. But Don't Nod, who are the creators of one of my favorite game series of all time, Life is Strange, unveiled their new game, Lost Records, Bloom and Rage. Mm. Rage. Um, and it is a story-driven game as, you know, we just played Jusson. I said it right this time. You did. Mm -hmm. Nice. Um, but I'm excited because it's the story of like four teenagers who um, discovered a secret. I guess we'll find out in the game what that is. And 27 years later, they've come back together to talk about it and kind of uncover what that secret is. And so um, what I love about Don't Nod is that not only are they great at storytelling, but they are not afraid to push the boundaries mm. of what's in their game. I think Life is Strange 2, for example, dealt with some really... Um, strong, mature topics. And so uh, what you can expect is, even though it's more of a kind of colorful palette in the game, I think you can definitely probably expect a, a more mature storyline. Darker I, themes, I yeah. Darker Seems themes, like a exactly. dark mystery. I mean, the, the mm -hmm. conceit of the story is also, they were teenagers when they met, and I think it's like, 27 years yeah. or just over two decades afterwards where they get reunited and they're sort Which of is, like grappling with whatever's going on. Whatever yeah. the it feels like is. a big reference to like it. Like, mm. If it's as evil as it, yeah. then, oh, I'm ready. Oh, I will take an um, evil game. <laughs> they've also said, like, 
they specifically said that Lost Records is a series they're planning. So mm-hmm. this it's not just going to be a one-off thing. And I, most people, I'd kind of be like, well, maybe do the first one first and then we'll right. find out. But after Life is Strange, mm-hmm. I love those games. So I'm just like, yeah, make loads of them. They're Let's good storytellers. Go. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. By the way, if you haven't played Jusant, oh, you yes, must yes. do so. It's one of my games. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Strong Game Pass. Go do it. No excuses. Play no excuses. It. Play it. All right. So I feel like there are a few other games that we're missing. One being Marvel's Blade was announced, yeah. uh, which is exciting, uh, being created by Arcane Leon, the, uh, the makers of both Death Deathloop and Dishonored, which is exciting. So we know their track record at making games. So excited to see more about Marvel's Blade in the future. Um, and then we had Hideo Kojima uh, unveiling his brand new game that we've gotten teases of a few years ago, and now we kind of get the title, OD. And the trailer was horrifying, of course. <laughs> Anytime you're Very that confusing. close to someone's face, <laughs> regardless is horrifying that you don't really know. Um, but I think it was just terrifying. And of course, we got a little surprise halfway through when the icon, the, the Academy Award winning, winning filmmaker, Jordan Peele um, of Inside, Get Out, uh, or, uh, inside, get out us. Nope. Uh, and nope. Uh, came out and he talked about how he's partnering. And honestly, that was really cool to see because I think Jeff Keighley said it best. It's like two goats yeah. of the genre of like horror coming together to make an exciting game. And so we're excited to see uh, that game. It's a very cool pairing. That's yep. right. It's amazing. 100%. But Kojima's also, you know, very particular to say that there's a bunch of other creators he's working with as well. Mm. So it'll be cool to see like all the influences that come in to make an unexpectedly creepy game. I love that for that entrance with Jordan Peele. Yeah. They played, yes. they started, <laughs> they started playing, I put five on it. Yeah. yeah. And, but from my perspective, it didn't sound like anyone really reacted because I'm sure everyone was kind of like, well, obviously it's not going to be Jordan Peele that <laughs> comes out yeah. anymore. Yeah. And then as soon as he did, you're like, it wasn't until later I realized they were playing that sort of slowed yeah. down version that they had used for, yeah, for uh, one of the films. Uh, uh, for uh, us. us. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That was, Perfect, by the way. So uh, yeah. Such a great, great presentation trailer. there. Um, yeah, any other moments that stood out to you from the show? For me, I loved seeing Sega come out with oh, like yeah. all of those yeah. remakes of some of like my fa- I was a Dreamcast guy, so seeing Jet, Jet Set Radio, I know it was Jet Grind Radio, but I'm <laughs> old, uh, and Crazy Taxi and Golden Axe and Shinobi, and I think there was one more. But it was just like all of this stuff coming back, I'm like, yes. No details on when or how or what. I'm not worried about that. (laughs) The fact that the answer is it's coming, Mm. that's enough for me to, that's going to sustain me for for many a moon. The the, the clips of them, you're kind of looking at them going, okay, I can see how that crazy taxi looks. And when it showed Golden Axe, I was like, Wow, yeah, this looks very different. (laughs) I think the last Golden Axe we played was like in, well, there might have been one on the 360, but the last one I remember playing was on Sega Genesis. Yeah, but like going for a very different style. I'm like, yes, that's cool. I'm I'm waiting for that. Yeah, so many great uh, announcements and and trailers, and of course the award winners, another great show by Jeff Keighley. yeah, just hats off. Hats off to everyone in the industry. Can I, I had this I, one. Mo- oh, oh, yeah, yeah. We're you both, go, we're you both go. Show. <laughs> we're like not done yet. I just, we'll do it. I just want to throw out there if uh, there was a game announced called Rise of the Golden Idol. Oh, yes. Mm. Um, this is a sequel to a game that came out a couple of years ago and had DLC this year called Case of the Golden Idol, which uh, never came out on, on an Xbox platform, unfortunately. But genuinely, just one of my favorite little surprises for years. Like, uh, really intricate, interesting and weird alternate history detective game set in a century ages ago. I'm not sure which one. Mm. Um, Like super, super smart uh, and just an incredible little experience. And this 
sequel is set in an alternate reality version of the 70s. Yeah, I've seen um, that now. Blood and Disco, it's called. Yeah, mm. it's, it's really, really strange. Um, and I just cannot wait. And it's coming to Xbox, which is amazing. Um, and also the developers are Latvian. And as a man with Latvian heritage, there's not many times you can say that. So that's great. Um, but yeah, just, uh, just a really, really cool little announcement and something I would never have expected to, to be part of that show. So yeah, I was very happy about that. Another like unexpected one, because that's mine that I have to shout out. And I've never played Pony Island 1. Oh, yeah. But I saw, like, I had a freak out moment next to Jeff where I was like, oh my God, the <laughs> developer of Inscription, because I love Inscription. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like, I would also kind of categorize it as like a horror game. It's yeah. very puzzle driven. You're sort of like going into through these creepy environments. For Inscription, it was like this deck building game, essentially. Um, Pony, Island, Pony Island 1, and I can immediately tell because like there's so much of that like artistic like similarities. Um, this is a, a game by Daniel Mullins, an indie developer, um, and uh, the Pony Island 1 is essentially like you're interacting with like an arcade cabinet that's been possessed by like Lucifer himself. Mm, wow. So it's this like point and click, like, you know, adventure kind of game. There's some puzzle elements. It's like quite simple, but also complex, which is what Inscription was as well. Because yeah. yes, on the surface, it's this deck building experience, but then there's like things you can interact with and then like items you get and like information that you get that unlocks these other things and unlocks the story and unlocks like assets and another kind of like video that you can interact with and experience and so I'm just in for whatever Daniel Mullins wants to create. So I'm like, Pony Island 1 never played, but Pony Island 2 will absolutely be played by you me. <laughs> you should play Pony Island 1. I need to now wild. to prepare. Yeah, like, It came out around that time. Do you remember Frog Fractions? I was just about to say. <laughs> yeah. it's, like, it's the same sort of thing where... Uh, because he hadn't, Daniel Mullins hadn't built up the profile as a guy who does this trick. And so when it came out, all I heard, same with Frog Fractions, was people being like, I know what it sounds like, mm -hmm. just buy it and turn it on and play it for an hour mm -hmm. and then come back. And it was one of those games where I was like, what is this? You have like, to experience it to yeah, understand it. Yeah, really, really odd. In the, yes, and in the best of ways. The thing I love about, he keeps repeating this trick. Mm but making it work every time. Mm -hmm. like, at this point, you should be like, well, I know you're going to do this. Right. But even the trailer for Pony Island 2, I'm looking at it, I'm like, he showed us so much stuff which makes me think there's going to be four times mm -hmm. as much weird stuff in this game. Oh, yeah, there's, there's always, like, hidden elements mm. um, that, he, that he plays around with, and so I expect the same yeah, thing. Yeah, I cannot wait for that. Me too, me too. Oh, so many good games. Uh, I feel like it's a game for everyone at the show. Absolutely. Uh, that's so exciting. Um, let's shift gears a little bit, because now we have Xbox Year in Reviews. The year is over, and so I'm excited to go through and see what everyone's year in review looks like. And of course, if you are playing, you've played on Xbox, of course, why would you be? You're watching this podcast, so you probably played on Xbox. You can go to xbox.com slash year in review. You're very lost. <laughs> exactly. To find out their stats. So, I'll start with mine. Can you all guess what my most played game is. You can't guess, Joe, because I think you've already but seen it. But the thing it. is, I did guess. Oh, you, it, yes. To be fair. Give him to the be, credit. Yeah, he got it correctly. Uh, he got it correct. Yeah. What, what do you think of my number one game? I already know. Oh, I don't know. I was good, because I feel like you, we were playing a lot of, you were playing a lot of shooters last time you were actually living here. That's right. So I would say maybe, maybe Halo or Battlefield or fill in the shooter blank. <laughs> Apex Legends. Okay, It is, it is right. Apex Legends, although Halo Infinite was number two. There you go. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, yes. Close 212 hours in Apex Legends. <laughs> nice. Uh, which I don't know if that's a, Joe, you said that was a lot. I, I mean, my know. most played game, I'm on 76 hours. Okay. So. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and I have 2,000 hours overall in that game. Obviously, I love that game uh, mm. so, so is it much. Ten, you're, you're slowing down, actually. <laughs> I, ha I have stopped playing Apex as much 
Uh, but now I have a Steam Deck. Which did I you see the so. Apex? The Apex update where they're putting like Final Fantasy VII I in did. it. I did. That was a really unexpected. Uh, yes. Uh, yes. Uh, it's like okay. Oh, that was the game Warren's too. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I believe. Oh, I forgot which character had uh, had like the sword. Um, oh, I have to go back and watch. But that was out of the blue. I was not expecting that. Um, other stats. I have 307 total hours. So again. Two thirds of those playing <laughs> Apex. Twenty four games total, thirty five achievements. Only how, how what's how many uh, achievement points did I get? Uh, oh, five hundred eighty gamer score. So you can kind of see from that <laughs> that I kind of stick to the games. But it's been really great because what this podcast has allowed me to do, especially with Tina and and Jeff getting recommendations, is try new games. Yeah. Um, so that I don't come on here every single week. Yeah, we got to diversify. We got to play all of them. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> all of the games. But what about you all? What What are your year in reviews looking like? Uh, yeah, I'm Starfield. Starfield. Yeah, Seventy six <laughs> hours of Starfield. Just Starfield. Period. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I feel like that might become a trend. Um, what was what was your gamer score? Oh, my, my my gamer score for the year is five hundred and eighty. Is I what I added. I, I think I've got oh nearly fourteen thousand. Oh my god! I'm looking at <laughs> your screen right wow. now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I played sixty games. Are this you a year, completionist, I, Joe? I am not. No. Like I've just played loads of games. I think. I feel oh. like he's just um, challenging us now. I know, yeah. Right. So, uh, so Starfield, your game is that technically your game of the year? Would you say? Tough oh, questions. it's it's pretty close. Alan Wake Two was oh, is yeah, right yeah. up there for me. Um, oh. But my this my second top game this year was Cyberpunk because when Phantom Liberty came out, I was like, right, I'm starting this again and just doing the whole thing. And uh, yeah, I absolutely loved it. So. Yeah, and Tina did a great interview last week with Monica from uh, the team. Uh, it she was, was great. It, she was great. <laughs> and I I. As someone who loves train systems, I'm excited that that's coming. The awesome. system is in <laughs> yeah. the game. I've been waiting for that since it uh, came out. But what about you, Tina? What is your year in review? I didn't get a chance to do mine, oh, okay. but I assume it's a combination of a lot of cyberpunk as well. Yeah. I, I didn't go through and replay the whole game, which I probably should have because I played back in our IGN days. So mm. like that's on a PC somewhere. My save <laughs> yeah. is, is lost. Mm-hmm. So I got to just do the, you know, play through on for Phantom Liberty where they just kind of give you a character and you can spec from there. Uh, but I assume there's a lot of cyberpunk in there. I'll have to I'll have to put it in the comments. Oh, there we go. Exactly. <laughs> We're excited to see what you uh see if you're you're right and you predicted yeah. it correctly. Um Jeff. Number one, Starfield, 77 mm-hmm. hours. I think we had played like within a few oh, minutes yeah. of each other, which was great. So most played Two was Marvel's Midnight Suns. I played for oh. about 70 hours. I loved that game. It's incredible. Definitely. That was the first game I think I played at the beginning of the year. And then, uh, it's kind of funny, number three at only 64 hours was Persona 5 Royal. Mm-hmm. Because I'd started in November or December, whenever it first came out last mm-hmm. year, played through Christmas, and then started, you know, kept going. So I, that only reflects like half of the playthrough. Yeah. Um, so that's probably the most game I've played in the last 365 days. But for the calendar year, Starfield, number one. There's some really cool little details on here as well. 100%. Like the fact that it breaks it down by genre. Um, I'm assuming shooter. 82% shooters. 82% shooters. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, so mine top is 48% action and adventure. Um, little list of games and how you stack up with other people. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's a really nice... Rarest like, achievement that you got in yeah. those games nice. as well. That's right, yes. Yeah. Just like a really nice little fully-fledged breakdown of everything. It's, it's a nice it's look cool. back, you know? It really uh, is. Just kind of see what games kind of you were interested in, played a lot of. And so I'm excited to see what those look like next year. Mm. We have a lot of exciting games coming out, but we'll talk about that in due time. 
All right, let's move on to Patches DLC update. We have a big one, of course, Hot on the Hills of their Game Award win. Forza Motorsport, a game that I got a chance to work on and we featured many times on the show, uh, they're releasing their 3.0 update, which comes with uh, game fixes. Of course, team always working on stability and things like that. The addition of the Hockenheim track, 33 new driver suits, and of course, new spotlight cars and events, though I will continue playing my car, driving mm -hmm. my pedestrian car in the game because that's what I do. What can I say? Um, a man of the people, Malik. What can I say? I'm a man of the people. His exactly. pedestrian car is a Lamborghini Mercilado, yes, just so you yeah. know. Well, yeah. I wasn't going to say it, Jeff. I was yeah. trying to be humble, okay? You know, but... Uh, I was going to say, do you play as the bad guy in Forza as well? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Knocking people off the track, get yeah. out of my way. Um, but no, it's exciting. So be sure to update your game uh, if you want to check out what's new in Forza Motorsport. Um, but let's talk about it. Let's, let's go into the interview because, again, we've talked a little bit about quite a bit, I should say, about Baldur's Gate 3 early in the show, but we sat down with Adam Smith, the lead writer for Larian Studios, to talk about Baldur's Gate 3's epic Game of the Year win and the game releasing on Xbox. So check it out. Hope you enjoy. So I absolutely love that we are ending the year on a high note. We've been talking about the Game Awards, and nobody had a better TGAs than the folks at Larian, the creators of the Game of the Year 2023, Baldur's Gate 3. Well, that's not entirely true as Baldur's Gate 3 became available to Xbox players during the show, making us the real winners, I'd like to think. <laughs> this is an incredibly complex and flexible game, and if you, like me, are maybe not super well-versed in the CRPG genre, I'm here to tell you, don't be intimidated. At the same time, it's also nice to have a few tips. And so I'm really pleased to welcome Larian's lead writer, Adam Smith, to the show. How are you doing, Adam? I'm doing great. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm uh, three days out from getting back from LA, back to Europe. So, uh, yep. Tired, Tell us happy. how you're feeling. That's great. I'm, I mean, the game of the year, RPG of the year, best performance for the voice behind uh, Astaria, six total awards. Like, how does it feel to have such widespread recognition for a, a genre of game that maybe has always had its fans, but really doesn't get the spotlight like this? It feels surreal. Uh, it feels great, first of all. It does feel fantastic. I mean, uh, we we had we took a big swing. Our feeling was there was an audience out there for a traditional style CRPG, uh, a big audience, uh, but we didn't know how big it was because it had been a long time since someone had done this turn-based four-player um, RPG that was hardcore, uh, but accessible, we hoped as well, with the budget that we had. Uh, so we put everything we had into it, heart, souls, cash and uh and we we hope the audience was as big as we thought it was and what we had was a very good sample size which was the people we work with the people we speak to and we were like they all want this game so so we we figured that a lot of people did um and it turned out they did which was fantastic uh and but uh it was it was nerve-wracking i mean it's strange to say now because we're coming out of the game awards the golden joysticks um we We've done very well, you know. Like uh, we've we've touched a lot of people, hit a lot of people. Uh, we've made a lot of people happy. It's great, but uh, but we were nervous on launch day. Some of us, uh, I was. I was sitting on launch day, going, "I think we're okay." But we were very confident in the game, very proud of the game. But um, but we didn't feel um, we didn't think it was a sure thing uh, that it reached as many people as it has. So it's it's been great. Yes, uh, I think a lot of people are discovering exactly why. The recognition has come, the, the adulation has come, uh, and I'm definitely one of those people. So I will say it was a great surprise announcement for Xbox fans to be able to experience Baldur's Gate 3 now. Um, what's been the reaction from Xbox players? What have you been hearing? 
It's been great. I mean, uh, we we knew, again, the Xbox audience was there. Uh, we knew they wanted this game. Uh, our intention was always to have it in their hands as soon as we could. Um, what we didn't want to do. So I'll just quick segue. I'm pretty old. Uh, so I was around in the days. I had a Spectrum. Uh, and then you would get these arcade ports and it'd be, is it going to come to my machine? Is it only going to be on Commodore? Is it going to come to Spectrum and Commodore? And then the ports were like completely different games. Uh, you'd sometimes buy it and you'd go like, well, this is not the arcade version. They've cut out levels. They've cut out all kinds of stuff. Sometimes you wouldn't have music, you know, all this. So our intention was, and we stayed true to it, was when we get this to Xbox, plays, it has to be the best version of the game. Uh, it had to be, you know, what we didn't want to have a PC version different to an Xbox version. Uh, so our engineers worked super hard to make that true. And then we we also gave the most up-to-date version of the game. So the game has improved since release because we've been working hard on it and we will continue to work hard on it. But that was it. We knew the audience was there. We know Xbox players are RPG fans. Um, we didn't see anything else that quite fit what we are. Um, there's, there's a lot of different things about Baldur's Gate 3, the cooperative element, uh, the turn-based combat, uh, the D&D world, uh, and just the Larianness of it, whatever that might be, the weirdness and the uh, the sometimes strange darkness of it, and all of those things, plus the, the production values. I mean, like, uh, we, we threw everything at that. Uh, so we, we knew that, you know, Xbox players want good games, you know, and, uh, and we knew this was a good game. Uh, we knew they didn't have anything else quite like it this holiday season. So, um, yeah, and the reception's been great. Uh, so I watched many, many live streams uh, because I enjoy seeing people play the game. And uh, it's really fun seeing people discovering it for the first time. I've also seen people who have been waiting for it, but watching a lot of YouTube videos and trying to hold back from it, who are now like, oh, wow, okay, so I knew this was possible. What else can I do? And that, that's really fun to see. All right, a lot of places we can go from uh, from there. Let, let's start with the fact that, yes, Xbox uh, players are getting the absolute most up-to-date version of the game. It timed out really nicely with with Update 5. What kinds of things um, have, has, have you and Larian learned uh, since the, the game launched on PC this summer that have gone into uh, this latest version of the game? So the big one was they wanted more, which uh, you always expect, you know. Uh, and the biggest place where they wanted more was the ending. Uh, so we had we added a whole epilogue. Um, now, if you played on PC and finished the game, uh, then you got a fairly short ending sequence uh, that still wraps up the story. Uh, but people, they... they played that and then they said well i didn't get a proper send-off to my party i didn't get to say goodbye to everybody uh, i didn't see the consequence of everything i did uh we tracked all of that so we knew uh that we could implement it uh so we said you know they want it let's go do it so for for my team on the writing side we did nearly four thousand new recorded performance captured lines of dialogue um so that you can actually say goodbye to everybody we, we bring everyone back together at the end of the game the ones who survive not everyone survives they can and with a not always. Uh, and we did a lot of extra stuff. We did new, new music, so the soundtrack got expanded. Um, the, the difficult thing was that we, we had, once you end something that's as complicated as Baldur's Gate 3, you say, okay, here's all the different permutations of our endings. And then when we said, okay, we're going to revisit them, we were like, wow, okay, so we need to, all the things that we promised we now need to follow up on. So that's why it became 3,000, well, I think it's 3,600, 700 lines of dialogue. Um, it's to cover the density of, uh, of possibilities there, um, and new cinematics, you know, all the, all the rest of it. The other thing is that we've been doing a lot of balance. Now, balance is sometimes a dirty word at Larian because, uh, there's some things we want to balance, but also people do all kinds of weird stuff in our game. 
Some of it goes against the spirit of balance, and we applaud them and say, please continue to do that. Uh, so we don't want to level out the fun that people are having. We want it to be a game where people experiment and discover things. Uh, but there were some things that, that worked better for balance. My personal favorite thing, partly because it didn't involve any writing, so I could sit back and watch it happen, was the honor mode. Uh, so that's uh, it's essentially a permadeath mode. Uh, mm. So here, and my favorite thing about this is there's a, I, I won't spoil late game stuff, but there's a specific optional dungeon in the final act of the game, and uh, and I've seen so many people go into there and they say, oh, you know, the the boss does this big talk, like you know, oh, you're gonna regret ever stepping foot here. And all this. And then they're like, you know, and it's not that hard. And then you go, yeah, and you saved 75 times to get through that place. Now you can't. And so many people go in and just say, nope. And they just get straight back out again because they're like, this time I'm really scared. I'm going to lose everybody. So not worth it, the risk. Yeah. No, exactly. Yeah. And that's exactly what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be high risk, high reward. So um, having having people see that, and I've literally seen streams of people where they, they run, they just go, I'm out of here. They just flee. <laughs> and uh, that's really powerful. Uh, it gives you a different story as well. If you don't finish that one. So, so that's really cool. Yeah. Good to know. I think I'm still 50 to 75 hours away from, from that dungeon at the, at this point here. So, uh, Baldur's Gate and Baldur's Gate 2, no, you know, no stranger to Xbox. The enhanced ed- editions are available for Xbox consoles alongside Divinity, Original Sin 1 and 2. Uh, like, what has the team learned over time in adapting a genre that is commonly associated with, you know, PC gaming, mouse and keyboard for controller, controller wielding, uh, console players? Well, the first time I saw someone play on an Xbox controller, I thought it was wizardry. Like, I, I really am so impressed. The the amount of complexity that they managed to handle. Um, so, like, the radial menus came in pretty early, and they were playing around with those for a long time. And what we do inside the studio is we play test constantly. We play our own game more than we, we do anything else in the world. Uh, it's the best way to know if it's good or not. Are you having fun playing it? So the whole way through development. And the first time we got the consoles plugged in and we saw the first UI, those radio menus were part of it, but they weren't quite right. You know, so they tweaked and they they tested. And then I, every time I see the inventory screens and, and the, the skill menus and all the rest of it, I'm just like, this is compacting that onto a controller is incredible. Uh, it actually, uh, it's, it's surprised me because we've got a lot of old school RPG players here, you know, who've been around since, you know, the, the old days like me. And a lot of them got converted. They play on, on uh, controller now. Uh, even when we were on PC, they would play on controller. Uh, and it started out as we need to test this. So it was, it was it was work. It was like, let's make sure this is good. Let's give feedback. And they never went back to mouse and keyboard, which I thought was heresy at first. I was like, you know, what the heck, you know? Uh, but um, uh, it's, it's, it is the way to play now, like for a lot of people. And I think because you bring the camera in, uh, which really wasn't the case in, uh, in previous uh, certainly Baldur's Gate games, but in the Divinity games as well. But once you get the camera in behind, it feels very natural to have a thumbstick to control. Mm-hmm. Um, so we look at that and we say, well, what happens next? And we, we see so many possibilities of how we can improve that more. Um, but yeah, I, it's it's really magic to me because uh, I, I didn't think we'd be able to do it as well as we had, as well as, well as we have. Yeah, I've I played uh, quite a few hours on, on PC. And then when the Xbox version came over, I was able to... Uh, port my save game over and pick it up and play on uh you know the 65 inch tv and by the way if you there's plenty of tutorials on how to do that you just got to make sure you turn on uh cross save progression i think it is there's an option in there both on your xbox and uh, on your pc save or wherever you're porting it over from because if you're like hey how come it's not here you got to do that so uh you know pro tip 
what I found is actually I really enjoyed directly controlling my my player character using the stick. And, and there's certain areas where there's traps or whatever. And I felt a little bit more confident doing that. Uh, as anything, I think it's going to come down to personal preference and, um, you know, what works for you. But uh, there's a, I agree. There's a, of, there's a level of immersion to yeah. um, having the direct control of the character, which yeah. uh, I think is what appeals to a lot of people. Yeah. Because when you look at the old RPGs, they they were very um, RTS-like in the way they controlled. You know, it's a lot of clicking and dragging, you know, yeah. uh, and, and you see people, it, it instantly translates to them in a way they understand. So that's a good gateway to them getting used to the more complex systems because they get that straight away. Whereas if you say to them, okay, you need to drag around this party and then click over here, they're immediately detached. So, so then you throw a lot of other stuff at them and it feels a little overwhelming sometimes. So I think it really helps that. Speaking of complex systems, uh, let's, let's talk about people who might not be really well acquainted with like, uh, the, you know, rolling 20 sided die. Uh, like, so what do they need to know about this sort of Dungeons and Dragons world and, and sort of like demystify it a little bit on, on, on what that means and how it may differ from, uh, more mainstream RPGs that they, they may have played in the past. Well, from the perspective of the characters and the way that we, we, wrote the world and we introduce people to the world we go really weird really quickly uh you know, you wake up on a uh alien ship uh infected with a parasite and that's a very weird way to start but it's also pretty familiar you know it's the kind of thing that we know from sci-fi as well as fantasy uh and it gives you a very clear problem which is uh, one of the most important things you need in an rpg what's my problem what do i need to do here the thing that we always said was if we write these characters in a way that they believe in their reality, then other people will as well. Uh, so you don't need to know uh, Dungeons & Dragons terms because these are just normal terms to them. Uh, so the introduction to the world is very much, this is a place that exists and all the fantastical things in it are actually normal to these people. So when you speak to them, they'll talk about them as if they're normal. And then you encounter them and they feel pretty normal, mm -hmm. which is why we went really weird at the beginning because what we needed was what is weird to these people. Uh, and that was the mind flayers and the nautiloid. What is the thing that intrudes on your fantastical world and says, you don't know everything? Um, so so that was how we approached it from the writing side. From the uh, system side, really hard. Um, tabletop, fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons is very, very complicated. One of the most complicated things about it is the classes. Learning a new class is like learning a new roleplay system sometimes. So we spent a lot of time on the onboarding. The tutorial was redone over and over again. Um, I think what we have now is really good. Uh, my one piece of advice is always don't try, don't worry if you don't understand everything immediately, because we're actually quite kind early on and we try to introduce things slowly. It doesn't feel like that always, but uh, we don't frame in the deep end. Um, narrative wise, we do. Systems wise, we do try and ease you into it. Uh, but if you don't pick up on everything, it's not going to punish you too badly. Uh, you can get through the entire game. There's also the difficulty modes, right? So if you're struggling with combat, just Put the difficulty down if you love the combat put it up again but um we try to make sure that you can get through the game on the easier difficulties just with fighters you know you can melee your whole way through the game you don't need to learn about spell slots you don't need to worry about that stuff if you really start to enjoy the combat go go more complex and start dealing with that stuff but dnd has the advantage that you're very squishy early on so it's very it's very perilous early on but you don't have that many skills to juggle so it's not too complicated by the time you hit level four level five you start to you know broaden what you can do so so don't worry too much by how much we we throw at you early on um i i think 
I think people can trust us that we have them in good hands. I know a lot of people who've never played this kind of game before and they, they got hooked by the visuals, by the characters. And then, you know, 20 hours later, I go visit them and they're on tactician mode and they can do more than I can. So uh, it, it, it works. <laughs> yeah, I'm living proof because this, this is something where I, I spent, oh my God, must have been 45 minutes designing my character and not really knowing exactly what I was doing. And and now I'm, I am level five. I am a few dozen hours in and I'm like, okay, now I understand why this works so well and this isn't working so well. And you can respect your characters and, and, uh, you know, now I'm, I'm feeling like, okay, I'm ready to take that next step and, and, uh, move from surviving to thriving, uh, it, which is, yeah. which is what I'm hoping to do. So you had mentioned, I think part of the other really interesting element of this game is yeah, at the beginning, I'm hacking my way through. But I was starting to find, wait a second, there's some, I wouldn't call them shortcuts, but there are more creative solutions to things. Uh, one of the things that I'd seen, you know, I've read every article that's like 10 things you need to know about Baldur's Gate 3 before you get started, or, you know, 15 things I wish I knew and uh, and uh, that are non-spoilery. And one of them that they all bring up is, you know, you can shove people, <laughs> you can shove enemies. And, and the amount of times I've like... You know, I'm not hurting this person. Oh, wait, I can they're standing on a, on a cliff and, you know, bye-bye. Um, and, and that's been like really, really, uh, it's sort of, you know, opening up my mind that there's, well, yeah, there's different ways to look at this thing if I can just get next to them. So I was just curious, you've seen, I'm sure, a ton. You mentioned you're watching a lot of streams. So what are some of the, you know, your favorite things you've seen in terms of like out-of-the-box thinking, whether it's in terms of progression or, or encounters or anything like that? So very early on, one of our playtesters realized that, that uh, there's a boss in the goblin camp very early on, and there's a bridge that you can lure them onto. You shoot the bridge, and they die. Uh, and they were like, oh, my. Like, you know, this is a... Uh, I can't believe I discovered this exploit. Well, that's not an exploit. We put that very very deliberately. And they were like, yeah, but it's so easy. I'm like, yeah, but now you don't get any of the loot. And they were like, oh, my God. And so <laughs> the risk-reward was very intentional there. And, uh, and seeing people realize that is really good fun as well, because they're like, oh, yeah, okay. Um, and, and so there was a lot of that, but then there's, there's, there's a video that someone made just a couple of days ago where they showed the goblin camp and they showed all the different approaches that they'd seen and just condensed it to a two minute video. And it was so good to see. And just a little bit about the design of that. So like, um, when we look at our inspirations, we're often looking to, uh, studios like Arcane and the immersive Sims and the way that they approach the way a level design works and the way that you have all these different avenues to go in and. I remember talking to uh, one of the designs over at IO Interactive in the Hitman series, and they said a level is like a block of Swiss cheese. It has all these holes in it, and you make sure the player navigates them, keeps popping out in different places. And uh, we took a lot of that philosophy to it, which I think has always been uh, part of the way uh, these kind of RPGs work. But with the tech we have now, uh, just the verticality that we can add to it, the, the, visual, the visual side of it where you can actually see this stuff rather than having to you know, click on a wall and get a pop-up saying, you know, oh, you know, there's a hole in the wall. Now you can actually see the hole in the wall mm -hmm. uh, and you can stack the crates and you've got the real physics and all that kind of stuff. So so once you put all those things together, then uh, you get all kinds of things. My, one of my personal favorites was the Alba um, belly drop, which uh, somebody did. They, they went to Moonrise Towers, which is an area in Act 2, very, very dangerous area that we made sure was very, very hard to, to tackle uh, if you didn't do it very carefully. So either diplomatically through stealth but if you go in all guns blazing you're in a lot of trouble and uh, and somebody got a druid uh well shipped into an alba jumped from the top of it and the game systems go oh here's your momentum here's your weight and it just obliterated every single enemy in the area just for this <laughs> massive belly flop and that's a good example of one where we were like we really should balance this out and then we're like but it's so much fun so let's leave it 
Um, and and stuff like that, people just discover. I was talking to someone yesterday who only realized on their second playthrough that if they turn into a cat, then they can get into a lot of small places that they couldn't get into before. So yeah, you wild shape into a cat, there's some holes you can get into. So very, very useful. And then you can exploit other systems. So get into the place, pick up stuff there, and then you can magic pockets that to your other companions. So you can just kind of start a whole smuggling network from being a cat, which is great. It's funny. Some of the most empowering feelings are not necessarily winning a battle, but maybe winning a battle you didn't think you could win because you did something very smart or clever and thinking you've outsmarted the game. And now I'm, I'm realizing, oh, no, no, you all thought of that, which is, I oh, think, no. maybe the most impressive part. We get outsmarted all the time. Like, uh, okay. when, uh, as soon as we put the game out in the world, we were like, how long is it going to take for people to do stuff that we did not dream of? And almost immediately. And, and as a writer, you try to cover as many cases as possible. We always want to have the line of dialogue that reacts to the weird thing you do. Uh, but it's impossible because you're all more intelligent than us. And there's a lot more of you. We're outnumbered. So uh, as much as we try, eventually somebody will find the way to go, ah, Larian didn't think of that. And the and that's great because they feel good about themselves for doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what we can do is we rely on all our systemics to say, you may have outthought us, but we'll make sure you still have fun. Uh, so no matter how far you push the boundaries, the systems will pick it up. And if the narrative is in tatters because you murdered everyone in the game, then you'll still have fun because the systems will pick it up and they'll make sure that this this stuff happening for you, you know, and uh, and the world's reacting to you, not always realistically, but in a way that's enjoyable. Uh, because realism is is not the goal. The goal is for it to be believable. So uh, sometimes you get the, the strangest things happen. You know, someone will notice a crime and they'll be like, you know, okay, I saw this person commit a crime. They run off to get help. They come back and you're gone, and they just go back to the patrol route. You know, and that that's fine because you feel good because you outsmarted them. Doesn't need to. Realism is 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 not what you need in an RPG like this. You'd never get anywhere. All right, so we are uh, coming. Uh, we're winding down here with our time together. Uh, how, what does the team do next? I, I know we we're at update five. I'm, I'm assuming. Uh, well, hopefully, a nice break for the holidays would be uh, ideal. But uh, I'm assuming uh, y'all aren't done with this yet. No. Uh, so I was saying just before we started recording, actually, that. Um, uh, uh, last week felt like closure for me on Baldur's Gate 3, which was uh, the best possible way to have closure, game of the year, uh, new platform, you know, it was incredible. But uh, but I'm at the point where I'm looking at new things uh, personally, uh, and I can't say what they are, <laughs> but uh, but very excited about those. But we're, we're not going to stop on Baldur's Gate 3. Um, and I probably won't. There'll be a point where they say, hey, we're going to add this or we're going to add that and they'll need writing support. So... Uh, I'll always keep an eye on it, but uh, we for for Baldur's Gate, I I can't tell you exactly what's next for it, but we're not going to stop supporting it with free patches, free updates. Uh, we have all kinds of ideas, just like the epilogue. We 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 always thought we might do an epilogue. We didn't realize how big it would be um, and how much love we'd want to put into it. Uh, so so I'm sure there's something like that that we don't know about yet, but that as more people play the game. Uh, and again, the audience just grew again. So uh, as they play, we'll find out what they want more of and we'll look at it. Now, we can't promise anything uh, because we don't know yet, but uh, but we're not going to stop. Uh, You're just going to keep an eye on your inbox for a request for another casual exactly. three or 4,000 words. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, so where should folks go to to stay up to date with, with Larian and Baldur's Gate 3 and, you know, we know have, what you are going to be working on? 
we actually have one of the nicest uh, communities uh, around. So we actually have a really cool subreddit, which uh, sometimes surprises me still. Like it's so friendly, it's so creative, uh, full of just beautiful fan art, fan fiction, and 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 playthroughs. You know, like all, all the weird stuff there. Uh, but we're on social media, all the usual places, Larian Studios. You can find me at Non-Economical. If anyone gets the pun there, then, well, joke. Uh, congratulations. And, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll be... It's always through our Larian and Baldur's Gate accounts that we make our announcements. The Baldur's Gate account in particular, is it's a lot of fun. We do we retweet a lot of fun stuff there. So if you have weird things that you've discovered in the game, send them to us uh, because we will, we will probably retweet them. So make sure they're not too embarrassing. <laughs> Very good. Adam Smith, thanks so much for taking time out uh, from, you know, everything. And I just want to say congratulations. Uh, Again, all I can say is, I know I said it earlier in the show, is like, believe the hype. Now that I've gotten to try it, I'm like, totally understand why this is the game everyone's been talking about this year. So Adam, congratulations to you and the rest of the team. And now we're going to send it back to Malik and Joe and uh, Tina and me. So let's just do that. All right, thank you so much to Adam Smith for joining us and talking about Baldur's Gate 3, which if we haven't said enough, is now available on Xbox. Now, um, Jeff has had his hands on a very special little gadget here. It's the MetaQuest 3, Xbox Cloud Gaming is coming. And Jeff is in his own little world. I just, <laughs> I feel like, Jeff, are you there? Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> I didn't see you there. <laughs> there we go, there I'm sure is. my hair is perfectly uh, cromulent. So. Uh, so in, in part of our, our effort, as always, to bring gaming to more people, like wherever they're at, on the devices that they already own, uh, we just announced this week that Xbox Cloud Gaming is coming to MetaQuest uh, 2, 3, and Pro. And so what that means is there's an app that shows up in the MetaQuest store. You download it, and it works just like if you were to go to xbox.com slash play, or there's there's other, you can download even on your, your Steam Deck or various other ways that you can access cloud gaming. What's really cool about this, I tried this last night, is that I generally am gaming on myself. I have a 65-inch TV. It's a good TV. It's It's great. It's perfectly good size. Well, then I put this on, and I loaded it up, and it actually superimposed at least a hundred inch screen. It was basically like it, 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 no matter where I looked, it followed, but it was, uh, uh, well over like, uh, like, like my full field of vision. It seemed to measure like the perfect amount. Actually, it sort of, and then it, it made like an entire room around me that was like an Xbox themed room. And, yeah. uh, and then I, I went and I started playing Cocoon and it was really fun. So you'd be like, well, uh, you have a TV on the wall. Why would you use that? Well, it would be great in a room if I didn't have a TV. And if I was just traveling with just this, because everything went through here. So the controller paired through Bluetooth to the headset, and then it was just coming in through Wi-Fi, and it was basically as if there was an Xbox built into there. Obviously, there's not an Xbox built into here. But by using the power of the cloud, it was effectively just as good. Latency was, like, perfectly playable. It was really impressive. So, like, you can, if you're going somewhere, you don't have a TV with you, you effectively have a TV in the hyperspace, with it, you know, and uh, it was really very impressive. So am I saying, hey, you should go out and you should buy a MetaQuest 3 just to do that? Probably not, your call, but there are millions of people out there with a MetaQuest 2, a MetaQuest 3, which by the way is very fun. And mm. you were when you were talking about all the game stuff, the music stuff inside Fortnite, I've been playing so much Beat Saber in here. Oh, Highly yeah. recommend the Weekend Pack. It is so much fun. Panic at the Disco. Yes. So, uh, but then it's just another uh, feature that you get to do uh, within the MetaQuest 3. And 
I loved it. I really enjoyed it. So try it out because if you have one of these, it's free. Just look in the store. You'll find it. There you go. Xbox Cloud Gaming coming to the MetaQuest 3. Um, all right. So let's talk about what is on the table in front of us. Uh, the holiday season, are, season is upon us, and maybe you're looking for a gift for your friend, your parents, your family in general. Uh, we have a few awesome products here from our Designed for Xbox team. And so I figure we might as well go down the line and tell every, everyone's family what they should get for us. Tina, what should your family get for you? Well, um, I, I snuck a, so we, we all got to pick, um, and I snuck a look at the this new Turtle Beach controller. It's the Stealth Ultra High Performance Wireless Controller, built for Xbox and PC specifically. Um, high performance, what does that mean? Well, it's uh, all about like minimizing lag, of course, so they uh, advertise this very lag-free experience. You can actually connect it directly to um, supported smart TVs and Android through Bluetooth, so it has that functionality as well. And then there's a bunch of stuff that is highly technical that I can only barely appreciate from my layman's point of view, um, but all good sounding stuff. So it's got anti-drift thumbsticks. It feels very smooth to me as I'm playing through it. And it features something called magnetic hall effect sensors. I looked this up and it was highly scientific. So basically what it means <laughs> is there are magnetic fields, they come at a right angle, and because of this, it, it really minimizes the lag and the drift. That's somebody that's um, an intelligence uh, warlock or mage. Yes, in... would do. Obviously, because <laughs> I have specced in all of yep. my intelligence, so I can barely understand it. Um, and it also has uh, something called micro switches. Uh, so that's kind of similar. Make sure that everything is fast and responsive um, and apparently would last five times longer than your standard controller. That means just the durability of the buttons and everything that you're clicking and, and mashing when you get very frustrated at a video game, which sometimes happens How to some of us. How do you think they test that? Do they just have like a little machine? I feel like there's just people the like, yeah, just like one little like, you know, goose guy. Just, yeah, exactly. <laughs> goose um, guy. <laughs> you know, just operated by water. Um, so that that's just sort of on the, the surface, but if you notice, there's a little screen as well as a one and a half inch screen. Uh, they call it the connected command display. So there's a lot of things that this thing can do. Um, you can customize the thumbstick performance. You can change like wh where your buttons are mapping to. You can actually change the lighting as well. I think I can turn this guy on just so you can oh. see that it's got like the, the light the up accent. I know, well, I wanted to, you know, <laughs> to kind of build to that point, but uh, so in here I can see, you know, there's it says profile one right now. Nobody's used this thing just yet. Um, but you can do, I think it's up to 10 profiles. So if you're, if you have a big household um, and people have different color preferences, you can change the whole RGB, just uh, look of this thing with these with these accent colors, but also just how things are, are programmed and uh, including like there's an eco mode so you can preserve the battery life if that's your thing on your profile. Um, up to 30 hours uh, apparently for the battery life there. And then you can also get social media notifications. So if you're like Joe and miss all your WhatsApp notifications mm -hmm. and you really need a second screen for that, that'll come through here as well. Um, so just tons of like customizable features that you can play around with. I think I've only even scratched the surface of what you can do with the connected command display. If you're going to um, scratch the surface on that, you're just going to have to give it to me. Yeah, I'll take better care of it. don't scratch the surface. But you can like change your button mapping, as I mentioned, um, the axis response modes and vibration intensity. There's just a lot of, if you are very particular about your gaming experience, I would say this, this has it, has it covered. Oh, and then another thing too is it comes with this case, Ooh, um, case. with a, thank you so much, yeah. um, with a little like magnetic connector for the, for the charging unit. Um, but not only does it just like magnetically connect here, you can actually just charge it through the case as well. Like it's just, you can sit right in the case and charge it directly from pretty there, cool. which is pretty cool. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. Nice little package.
There I'll jump in. Yeah, Joe, what, what, are you, what, what you are you got? I, I want to show off. I want it. Oh, yeah. so cool. This is the 8-bit Doe M30 wired controller. So it doesn't look wired right now, but it is wired uh, for that lag-free input. Um, <laughs> clearly very based on some classic controller designs, Sega in particular, um, and designed for fighting games or if you want to go back and play the old Golden Axe as part of the Sega Vintage Collection on Xbox Way to bring it back. <laughs> um, perfect for that as well. Um, what I love about it is, A, kind of makes you look like an owl. Um, <laughs> <laughs> B, uh, it's just got a really smart sort of reproduction of all the buttons you would expect from an Xbox controller. It's not skimping on any of that stuff, but it's just repositioned them in a way that feels very natural. Like, I'm not much of a fighting game player, but I genuinely think this would make me better at it. Uh, so that would be good. Um, yeah, just a really neat little thing. It's 30, I was going to say 35 quid. It's 35 quid. <laughs> uh, I've got to remember what country. What is that in America? In yeah, I've got to remember what country I'm in. It's 34.99 USD. Uh, and yeah, it just, like a really nice addition, I would say, for someone who's looking for a way to play their games a little differently or who wants some of that classic experience. For Street Fighter really... 6, that's going to be great. Yeah, really cool. All right, so I want to talk about uh, a very ex important accessory. Uh, Tina, if you don't mind, pass oh, yes. me this new UpSpec Gaming X screen for our Xbox Series S. Now, you might have seen that UpSpec released this for our white Series S, but of course, we released recently our one terabyte black Series S. And so now you can get one of these to match that if you have one of them. They're $249.99. Uh, and again, like I said, the white was available now. The black is coming soon. Be sure to uh, stick around and I should say tune into their Twitter for updates on this when it's going to be available. What does it do? Tell them what it does. So this actually transforms your Series S into a little bit of a gaming laptop. I traveled up from San Diego and I, my one regret, and I was really upset, was that it doesn't actually, I, didn't ha I couldn't bring my console. Mm. And uh, so now we have this, which is just connects straight to the console. Uh, it has a 11.6 inch 1080p screen, 60 hertz IPS screen. Uh, and the cool thing is it works really well with the console. It actually powers the console off when you close the screen, like mm -hmm. a laptop, um, integrated speakers and controls and crosshair overlay. So, so basically you hold it, you put it in there and then flip the screen up. And look at this. Boom. And then it basically connects in there and it's, just goes wherever you want to go, and, and it, it travels really well, and you don't need an extra cable, which 100%. is the best part about it. It plugs right into the back. This is one of our dummy uh, Series S consoles. It's just a little bit of a prop. Oh, that's why it's not well, working. I, well, I, was like, I was like, is it going to work? I don't know if it's going to work, but... Uh, I was, they're not real holes. <laughs> what a fake game. It's a fake console. I promise it's a lot easier to put together on, on an actual Series well, S. Well, I'll is... just go back to my seat now. <laughs> you, you know just, what? If you push was... hard enough and the console just crumbles. Like, yeah, it was an A for effort, I was though. Like, you got the visual. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I was going to let Jeff know. I was like, this is not a real Series S. But uh, on your real Series S, your one terabyte, or you can put this on your white one if you kind of want a little black and white mix, you know. Uh, Panda you know. ducks. Exactly. No, yeah. So be sure to check this out. And I'm hoping that I can take this with me because this is... This is going to be fits right so in your pocket, useful. right? <laughs> I have a series S for you right to take out. back home too. Oh, sweet! Yeah, it's, does it work? <laughs> <laughs> it's really light. That's the best part. Oh, uh, love it! Um, so yeah, like like we said, be sure to tune, uh, go to news.xbox.com to check out all these accessories. Again, the Design for Xbox team working with some of our great hardware partners on a lot of different options for a lot of different people. Um, so if you're looking for a gift, be sure to check that out. Um, all right, so. Getting closer to the end of the show, but I know what everybody has been waiting for. Of course, our discussion has been great, but people want to know how they can win things. So, Jeff, Free Code Friday. 
Free Code Friday. Oh, what's, what's uh, yeah, so something we like to do every week is uh, give stuff away, and this is our final Free Code Friday of the week, of the year. So mm. we're gonna give out something really good, and that is Baldur's Gate 3. You may have heard of it, as uh, we we've At been least talking in the about last hour. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if you had it before you tuned in here, you've heard about it now. And what we do is we ask a question here on Thursday, Friday at noon Pacific or 8 p.m. GMT oh. for our metric friends. Uh, you <laughs> tune into uh, twitter.com slash Xbox Wire. We'll ask a question, and you have about two hours to answer that question, and we randomly draw a winner. Actually, we randomly draw five winners, Ooh. and those five winners, like I said, will get Baldur's Gate 3. The question, to give you a head start, what are you going to be playing over the holidays? It's actually a question I've got for all of you. Uh, I'll be playing Cocoon. I'll be playing okay. a lot of indie games that I didn't have a chance to play uh, throughout the year. I'm going to be traveling quite a bit. I've loaded them on my Asus ROG Ally, or Ooh. Roger Ally, as uh, I've, I've heard it referred to by Lucy James. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Thirsty Suitors, um, Dave the Diver, a uh, bunch of games Roller that I haven't drum? played this year. Roller Drum, uh, I, I should download it because it's on PC yeah. Game Pass. So, Got plenty of room. I put a one terabyte in there. So that's what I'll be playing over the holidays. What about you, too? You guessed it. Baldur's Gate 3. Oh, There's there just so go. much to play, and I feel like with that extended amount of time, that's the perfect opportunity to dive in and like just feel through the systems and push through and hopefully finish it before the new year so I can push on through the rest of the backlog as 2024 piles on new games, too. Yeah. I always like starting a game with like a proper world to immerse myself mm -hmm. in and just play that across mm -hmm. that whole period. And I'm feeling like Avatar Frontiers okay. of Pandora might cool. yeah. yeah, I've heard like, a lot of people praising that one. I've heard Far Cry with big blue people. I'm into that, <laughs> that sounds great. Um, so yeah, I think that'll be my one. Ooh, good pick. I'm gonna play a game that came out while I was moving that everyone's been talking about it again. I haven't got a chance to jump into it, Alan Wake 2. So oh. that, I just obviously again, nominated for it's Game the of the Year. It's the most festive games. <laughs> well, okay. I actually wanna see if it's as scary as everyone's been talking about because mm. I feel like I can't be scared by a video game. Oh. So I'm up for that challenge. Mm. So this holiday season, I'm gonna be playing with the lights on in daylight, and just in case I get scared. But I'm, <laughs> I'm excited to jump in and again, Remedy has been doing amazing stuff and so excited that I get to play that finally. I'm excited for you. Like, I yeah. want to wipe my memory just to experience it all over again. New Game Plus just came out That's with a true. whole new ending. That is true. And that was announced at the Game Awards as well. That's very exciting. Whole new ending. Super exciting. So you'll have to tell us what your game that you're going to be playing over the holidays is. And that is your Free Code Friday question. Again, go to twitter.com slash xboxwire. And that will be Friday at noon Pacific or 3 p.m. Eastern, 8 8. PM, your Saturday night, spend your Saturday night with <laughs> yeah, us, yeah, GMT. Yeah. Uh, answer that question in about two hours and we will randomly pick five winners for Baldur's Gate 3. Awesome, awesome. Well, there you have it. That's our final show of the year. Thank you so much for inviting us into your space and joining us to talk all things video games. Of course, Jeff and Tina, thank you for being amazing co-hosts as always. And Joe, thank you for uh, stopping by MVP. and being our guest. Yeah. Yeah. I, I flew 11 hours just for this. Just for this, <laughs> nothing else. Delighted. Uh, awesome. Again, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Please be safe over the holidays, and we will see you next year. Have a great one.